Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and plot theories. You can follow The Story Tinker on all podcast platforms and videos of most episodes on YouTube. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like weekly bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. I'd like to thank Natis from Instagram for messaging me and suggesting that we do A Sewer's Bride. Thank you! Everyone is very grateful. Here we go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our very special hiatus episodes where we will be covering Asura's Bride or Asura's Bride. Sorry, Haley has to- um, told us the, we hope, the correct <laughs> pronunciation. So we're super excited because this is um, not something we did before. And I think it's, um, oh gosh, I want to attribute this by name, but a fan asked me the other day, she was like, why don't you, are you ever going to do a, um, a Sora's Bride or Asura's Bride? And I was like, oh my God, I never thought about it. <laughs> so thank you to this person who I forgot her name, but I could look it up. And um, I'm so grateful for everyone for coming on. We have Elizabeth, Haley, and Chelsea. And um, Elizabeth and Haley have been on before. And Elizabeth is a fanfic writer. She wrote um, a Lily for Torah and is still writing a Lily for Torah, plus some other one shots. <laughs> yeah. And Chelsea is the author of Stages. So both of which are fantastic um, works. Chelsea also has one shots. They both are doing a Renaissance fair one shot thing. So <laughs> check out their fanfic. I'll link it. And I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Okay. Um, I, let's say, do you want me to go first? <laughs> go ahead. Do it. Do it. <laughs> I'm Chelsea. Um, I, you might know me as Peanut Butter and Shelly on AO3 Patreon. I think I'm PBNC on Webtoon. Um, I live in Southern Illinois with my husband, our two fur kids, a dog and a cat. Um and started writing, started painting because of Midnight Poppy Land, discovered it uh, 2019, I believe. And it got me through pretty much a majority of 2020. <laughs> so I'm super excited to be on here talking about the other webtoon. Okay, yeah, so, oh, oh, oh yeah, no. go ahead. <laughs> There's that awkward pause where we're like, <laughs> You go, you go. No, you go, Elizabeth. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm Elizabeth. I like uh, Nidhi said, I've been on the podcast before. I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota uh, with my husband, Colin. Um, no pets, but lots of plants. I think I have like five dozen house plants. So that is actually a begonia behind me. And that's where my username comes from on AO3 Begonia Rex. That's a Begonia Rex plant. Um, I wore my peony scarf tonight in honor of Ulan's tattoos because they're awesome. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm excited to talk about As- Asura's Bride. Um, I was, most people, I think, read Midnight Poppyland first and then were like, oh, she did another comic. Um, so, yeah, it's, I'm excited to talk about this one too. <laughs> Hi, I'm Haley. Um, I am not a writer on AO3, but I would like to be. Um, happy to be on again. Um, I was really thrilled that you guys invited me to be back on. I had so much fun last time. 
Um, I'm 28, married. I work at a meadery in Crown Point, Indiana uh, called Manic. Um, just won awards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. We have won awards. Uh, we've won um, one gold, one silver, and two bronze at last year's International Maser Cup competition. So if you feel like looking us up online, uh, shameless Everything. plug right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So anywho, I'm excited to be on. Um, like Elizabeth was mentioning, um, Osiris Bride, I think Lily was actually trying to win a um, some sort of competition that Webtoon was having. So she submitted Osiris Bride as a to try to win. Um, and, and unfortunately, she didn't. But I think that brought us all kind of a little bit closer and made us a little more excited about Midnight Poppy Land. And I started reading that when it was on um, Canvas. It used to be called Discover. Um, I, yeah, so been been around for a little bit, but really happy to be on and discuss um, Osiris Bride. Thank you so, so much for coming on, everyone. And it's funny, Elizabeth, you were talking about your outfit. So I realized um, that I'm wearing the same exact outfit that I was wearing when we first recorded a video for this um, podcast, <laughs> which, by the way, the outfit is my pajamas. One side, my pajamas. <laughs> So it's actually a, an official dress that I used to wear as a dress. And then I got like holes and stretched out. And so now it's pajamas because I wore this like right after we got married for Judaism. You have like um, a series of like parties right after you get married called Shavar Bachot. So I wore this for my Shavar So I went from like nice fancy dress to pajamas. But anyway, that's why I'm not partying with it. And now it's my special Midnight Poppy Land. And awesome. <laughs> so yeah, even wearing the same hat just happens to be. <laughs> so <clears throat> we're going to start out by taking a look at the cover, which is the first thing that's posted. And my first thoughts when I saw this were that this was just stunning. Um, and the artwork is very different than Midnight Poppy Land. And it reminds me very much of like this dreamy watercolor. It's very light. It's kind of like faded. Um, it really feels like you're transported to another world. And you know, and it kind of does really have that otherworldly feel, a little bit of a magical feel, which Minute Poppy Land doesn't have that quite that magical feel. It feels much more like in the real world. And like, as soon as you open the comic, you're just transported. And it's just beautiful. We, we have this image of um, who we later see are Ulan and Yua, um, you know, man and a woman with the, as you said, the gorgeous peony tattoos and with the, you know, the fur capes. And we have the description that says, in a war-torn land, on her way to an arranged marriage, a haughty princess is ambushed and held captive by bandits until she is rescued by a tired, hungry, and pissed-off soldier. All the accidental knight in shining armor wants is to get some sleep after returning from the battlefield, but having a beautiful princess in tow is making it very difficult for him to do so in more, than these, more ways than one. So obviously that's our, our cue to, uh, you know, our first innuendo joke over there <laughs> which we can't do without <laughs> so now let's get into the first panel um this one is called prelude to a storm and we start out with some historical background which is being narrated by um what we later see is the king's advisor and he's saying among the four regions of the land half the western kingdoms have been conquered by the great warrior king of the north and i know when i read this right away i was like oh so it's it's going to be one of those like epic you know uh, stories because it's like a very traditional format where you have battles and kingdoms and they're fighting against each other so it's kind of like a larger sco um, scope and scale when you have this backdrop of 
battles um, between kingdoms. Kind of reminds me of um, Game of Thrones too. If I mean, if you're a fan of that, um, that's the North. Exactly what I thought too. King of the yeah. North. Mm -hmm. The North was like um, the White Walkers. Everyone feared the North, and yep. everyone kind of fears this warrior king from the North. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, and like just the visual imagery here. You have, you know, it's black. It starts off very black, and that's very ominous. And you know, it kind of you see it like dripping down into this like gray hazy thing and it's just so evocative mm -hmm. of you know like the mood kind of like a little bit lost a little bit like hiding and this king is described as he powerful ferocious brutal in his wars and you see this warrior with you know full historical armor and I'm not a, like a history of armor buff at all but and, and neither do I know much about uniforms I can't like talk about his <laughs> sorry historical accuracy but you know it's very detailed um armor and it looks like it's from a long time ago um i'm sure maybe there's some, some chinese scholar out there who's like oh this is clearly from the year 948 because of this and this with it over here i'm not one of those people yeah but it's a and i'm like it's a metal plate yeah. <laughs> metal plate armor <laughs> it's kind of cool how lily blends a lot of asian influence um and culture um because mm -hmm. she says that midnight Land takes place in naran city which is like a melting pot for um, a lot of different cultures um but just yeah looking at his armor it, it almost looks samurai a little bit mm -hmm. um but then you mentioned yeah that the chinese as well influence and almost like mongolian a little bit too i mean it's it's cool i mean she creates her own version of it but it is like a amalgamation of of different influences which is really cool Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like um I wonder I, I feel like I heard someone saying that Ulan was supposed to be Mongolian, but mm -hmm. I've never read it myself. So I don't know. And I've I've combed through the Patreon comments, not now, but I definitely over the course of my midnight pipeline obsession, I've combed through all the Patreon comments. I don't remember seeing that, but obviously it's possible I missed it. So um, I don't but know. Maybe customer... maybe I read it in a story somewhere. <laughs> and it's it's canon to me now. <laughs> Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> We're referencing where Haley thought that a detail was canon because she read it in Chelsea's stories. <laughs> it just was so, you know, it just felt so spot on. It did. It felt it felt it felt right to me. It felt right. <laughs> Crack me up. <laughs> well, it was interesting coming to uh, Lily Delk's Patreon, like, I didn't start reading Midnight Popular until this uh, last spring, so uh, April of 2020. So going on Patreon, you know, when I join a Patreon, I'll go all the way back and then kind of read mm -hmm. forward. And so it was interesting, re like, reading about her process and doing Asura's Bride, because um, that was actually before Midnight Popular got featured. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. Midnight Popular was on canvas or whatever it was called back then discover and the, so webtoons will run these comics where you usually submit like six comics um and then whichever one gets the most likes that they choose to feature so she had midnight Popular on canvas and then she did this one and so she was actually trying to get Osteros bride featured but then they went with midnight Popular. That's right. That was the competition that I was trying to remember what she was doing mm -hmm. it for. So yeah, I mean, either way, got her work out there for sure. Yeah. Well, and it was interesting to kind of read about because like um, 
you know, like Mindy said, Midnight Poppy Land is more realistic, you know, set in the here and now. And like Asper's Bride is almost like fantasy, history, magical. But apparently it took her way longer to do these episodes because it's like a painterly style. Mm-hmm. Um which I love. I thought it was beautiful. But I was just like, oh my gosh, how long did it take you to do this? Yeah. It's almost like a like an ink painting, like the Japanese yeah. ink painting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. The texture mm-hmm. on the back, it reminds me of this recyclable rice paper that I bought for our thank you notes that had seeds embedded in it. Uh-huh. Uh, you could plant yeah. it in the ground. That's if you zoom in, you can really, really see that texture in the background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looks like it's done on like rice paper yeah Hmm. it's like the scenes with blood too like if you've ever not to be morbid but like if you've ever like had blood just drop on a piece of paper and it's really bright at first but then it fades out to like an almost like dirt brown color right and like Like a paper towel or something yeah Yeah. and it kind of looks like with him like doing the spear that it yeah it was like painted on with with blood kind of <laughs> it does look super natural for sure but it's funny because when i when i saw the blood speckles the first thing i thought of was also the blood speckles at a pyramid and poppy land because mm-hmm. like it, you know a couple of times it happens with Tora when he's you know beating up yadori for example so i thought of mm-hmm. that right away like the blood speckles there and obviously mm-hmm. it's on the the poppy Lola. at the end of every episode yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so so that's the king of the north and he's described as insatiable in his thirst for battle and blood and the advisor is saying he's closing in on us from the west in a matter of months our shan kingdom will crumble beneath the might of his fearsome army and you have this image of like just devastation after battle where soldiers are you know falling on the floor and chariots are broken and and the flags are on the floor ripped. So like, this is something that they fear. They don't want that to happen to their country. Um, it actually reminded me a lot of the, the image in Mulan where um, they discover the battle after the, um, uh, um, gosh, Shing, right? Our, um, Father um, died. Uh, yeah, uh, Lieutenant uh, Shang. Shang, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. I thought the same thing. They come across that in that little girl's doll. Yeah. And, the, and he sticks a sword in the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely get those vibes too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So very haunting. This whole, this whole thing is very evocative. Like, you know, his, the ferocious king, you know, he looks scary as this like sunken in eyes with mm-hmm. like a lot of black surrounding them. He's a very impassive face. And then, you know, this scene, everything is very haunting. There's a lot of fog throughout there. So it's just, yeah i mean it's just the art is just incredible mm-hmm. so the advisor is telling the king your majesty we must form an alliance with the kian Li kingdom immediately and he's talking to the king the king is wearing they're both wearing robes the king is wearing you know like a nice ornate robe with like an image of a moon and clouds on it and he's overlooking um it looks like he's overlooking like from his castle and into the mountains so you know it's something that is hard for him right it's not an easy message for him to absorb Obviously, this whole time period is seems like it's a very difficult time period for them, for the kingdom. And and the king says, you know, we don't see their faces yet, and you just see like their this the kind of like the somber set of his jawline, the king's jawline. Obviously, this is something like he doesn't seem very happy right now. He's, you know, in in a serious mode. And he says, the king of Kanli has requested for my eldest daughter's hand in marriage. 
and to be wedded to his only son and heir to his throne as a symbol of our alliance. And obviously that's like a very common thing that happens, you know, with kingdoms and has happened all over where in order to strengthen alliances, people marry their kids off to each other and like, you don't have to like each other, but you have to get married so that our kingdoms don't go to war. (laughs) Well, it's interesting too, how the uh, warring clans is um, just a recurring theme through Midnight Populan universe. Um, I mean, it's not uncommon at that time for, I guess, civil war to be going on, but um, just interesting how well it ties in with Midnight Populand, but still is a totally different story. That's so interesting. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, and you, you see the two flags over there, which I'm assuming is like a symbol of the two kingdoms and, you know, wanting to be united. <clears throat> and then we have... Um, the, the advisor tells the, the king, your majesty, the eldest princess is blessed with beauty and intelligence. And you see, you know, a silhouette, um, just a faceless person who is, you know, the, the eldest princess. She seems very pretty. And, you know, it's highlighted against the background of these flowers, lotus flower and like some reeds. Just very beautiful, very elegant. And her gifts will be the salvation of our kingdom. Canley is the strongest kingdom in the eastern region with the largest army to be looked upon favorably by their king is not an opportunity to be missed so he's he's pushing with this he says you know this is necessary for our kingdom and like you got to do this whether you like it or not and the king does agree right it seems as though the advisor was a little worried about whether the king would agree but he says i understand and it pains me greatly before the kingdom sacrifices have to be made which again you know this is it is a sacrifice because these people don't have love marriages you know they have marriages of political alliance mm-hmm. prepare the princess for the journey immediately lock her up if you must you will not be happy about this and now we learn she actually is indeed not happy about this and i'll pass it over to Haley. right <laughs> yeah <laughs> passing the torch okay um so the advisor says or a different advisor comes up and says your majesty the eldest princess has been missing since yesterday I'd hate to be the guy bringing that message. But <laughs> I'm why he's kneeling down. It's like, just don't hurt me. Oh, right. uh, I, suspect, I suspect he's not high ranking. I don't think he's a, I think he's probably a low ranking person in the, in the back. Right. We're going to call him a footman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a footman. So yeah, the footman is saying her handmaidens reported that, see, footman, handmaidens, got it, reported that she had escaped from the palace grounds after finding out about the marriage proposal from the Kang Lee king. And the next panel, the king is, you can really see, he looks his age, he's got wrinkles right by his um, corners of his eyes, he looks just freaked out. Um, he's yelling, disappeared? How could such a thing have happened? The princess needs to leave immediately. We do not have much time left. So, I mean, he probably cares for his daughter, but he has to think about the his whole kingdom and all the people that, that live in his kingdom. That'd be a pretty awful choice to have to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I, I kind of assume, based on the fact that she ran away, at least from what we know over here, is that um, she seems to be a strong-minded person, you know, and she doesn't, she doesn't want to do this. Yeah, well, and, and they describe, they really don't, I mean, you don't really know much about her. They just say she's beautiful and intelligent, and I mean, those are good things, but um, going into the next panel um, with the uh, fourth princess, Yuwa, 
Um, father, forgive me for intruding, but um, daughter, what are you, fourth princess? Until eldest sister has been found, please allow me to take her place. And to me, it was, so they described eldest sister as beautiful and intelligent, which we haven't seen her character yet, so we don't really know much else about her, but fourth princess um, obviously is very beautiful. We'll find out later if she's intelligent, um, but right here she shows bravery and loyalty as well um, for her country and for her father. So she's a pretty cool chick, I think. I love but, how they're, they're both depicted because you're like, we do find out that the other sister that's run off is brave. But when you initially see her, she is faceless and she's mm -hmm. against flowers. So mm -hmm. to me, it's like, she's delicate. She doesn't really have much of an identity. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's strictly her gifts are that she's beautiful and intelligent. They don't say anything about her being, you know, headstrong or brave or, you know, loyal to how she feels. Right. But then the first time you see Yua, you see her full face and, you know, you don't see anything as far as her body, her clothes, she's wrapped in a cloak and you see her depicted against openness. It looks mm -hmm. completely open. And to me, that more that better depicts how she is. Like she's upfront mm -hmm. about herself, and we find that out, you know, later with her uh, interactions with other people. But it, I just I love the two, the differences and how they're presented. Yeah, she's just she looks like a like a doll. Her skin is just beautiful, and the I mean, there's not much color, but I mean, you can see her lips are just like faintly a reddish I mean there's not much there's not I mean there is color in this comic but it's very muted and when you do see color I feel like it just draws your eye that much more yeah okay so she says please allow me to take oh sorry go ahead yes, sir. one impression that I had and I'm curious if you also had this but the fact that the oldest princess was talked about as being beautiful and intelligent to me it kind of felt like she overshadowed the rest of the sisters and mm -hmm. obviously that tends to be the case, I think, with older siblings in general, they usually are more dominant. And especially if they're royalty, there's expectations mm -hmm. for the oldest sibling that the other ones don't have. And mm -hmm. it seems as though, like, uh, from other things that I've read, you know, if you're giving your kid away in marriage, the first princess is more, you know, honorable than, like, the second princess. And she's the fourth. So right. I got the impression right away that, like, the fourth princess was like, okay, who are you? You know, <laughs> like, you know, it's like when King David, like, when um, Samuel came to anoint one of Jesse's kids and he was like okay I, I tried all seven sons and none of them are other one they're like do you have any more sons and he's like oh yeah we have David he's in the field so <laughs> yeah um, I felt oh, yeah, like there's that other kid yeah, <laughs> yeah he's over there <laughs> yeah um so I felt like you kind of had that where she was overlooked and nobody really paid any attention to her and like but she's also the fourth princess like I don't know if any of you have like lots of kids in your family but like the younger you are like the less attention you get because like mm -hmm. the more siblings you have ahead of you and like you have to compete for attention mm -hmm. so I really get the feeling that I mean at least this was my first thoughts that like you was, was just someone that nobody really paid much attention to and didn't mm -hmm. expect much out of her right well I mean not to jump ahead but I, I'm pretty sure like in one of the later episodes they mentioned that she's actually adopted she's an adopted princess um so maybe she was thought of as like lower, like, I mean, why would you adopt her if not to treat her like a princess? But it, it reminds me of um, the Prince of Persia. I don't know if you guys are like gamers or at all, but um, in the movie, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is like a, 
it's kind of like an Aladdin situation. He's a street rat, but the king sees something in him that makes him say, oh, well, you're going to be, you're going to be my new son. You're a prince now. So maybe that was a similar, like, maybe they saw her bravery and intelligence as a, like a young girl. And that's why they were like, well, you're adopted now. You're a princess. So, you know, maybe something like that. But and uh, I wonder also if, you know, for her, this is a way for her to finally redeem herself and find, you know, honor and, and gain, you know, like some attention because mm -hmm. you know if, if she's been overlooked which again this isn't you know not necessarily so this is again an interpretation but this would be a way for her to to show everybody what she can do right i have in addition to in addition to like actually like saving the kingdom you know <laughs> <laughs> chelsea were you were you gonna say something no oh okay okay i'll go on to the next one and then we have a panel of um just like the trees misty it kind of gives me a twilight vibe um pacific northwesty vibe <laughs> i i think i mentioned to you guys last time that i um i did have covid so i was in quarantine um obviously for two weeks and i actually had a twilight marathon and rewatched all of those movies oh <laughs> my god so bad they were so bad but but still good in like a nostalgia way, you know? <laughs> I've definitely done that when I didn't have COVID. Like I <laughs> no excuse, Chelsea. <laughs> no excuse. I don't know what was wrong with me. <laughs> it's just it was a whim. I was like, oh my God, they have all of them on Amazon Prime. I'm I'm doing this. I'm, 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 I'm nervous because I watched it when I was young and I liked it back then. I'm like, if I watch it now, I don't think I'll like it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was a little—I was a little too old for Twilight when it came out. <laughs> well, you know, my mom read them, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, oh, and then Fifty Shades of Grey. My eighty-year-old grandmother read them. She said, "I think they're kinky." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, Graham, cool." My grandma dragged a bunch of my aunts to see Magic Mike when it came out. Oh, I love Magic <laughs> Mike. Nope, nope, not, not gonna do that one with you, Grandma. Oh man, that's awesome! Wow, your grandmas are uh, a little more adventurous than mine are. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, okay, sorry. Moving on. Um, <laughs> so the panel with the trees—it's very kind of foggy, misty, mysterious, creepy. Um, I think this is actually where I'm supposed to hand it off to Chelsea. Okay. Oh yeah, it looks pretty pretty bleak. Uh, it even leads off with a with a kind of bleak overture of words. A marriage during war times is a highly inauspicious and joyless affair. And that mm -hmm. panel, I mean, you get that a hundred percent. And it's like you said, the colors, you're really drawn in. The royal guards are decked out in red capes. The caravan is colored, you know, light brown. It almost kind of fades into the background a bit. Mm. Um, it says, that is why the carriages are dull and the procession silent. At least that was what the handmaidens told me. And then there's a, a small panel of the two handmaidens comforting Yua. And uh, it says, Lizzie, who is that? Am I pronouncing that correctly, Haley? I think, I think um, it's she. <laughs> I'm um, gonna, 
your advice. One of my friends has a Chinese daughter um, whose name is, uh, she said it's Shishi, so. Um, okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll say I wasn't sure. <laughs> I think usually, I could be wrong, but I think usually in Chinese, the X's are pronounced as Z's. I mean, that's how I saw it. it was easy but I you know reading it in your head and now reading it out loud it's like okay that doesn't sound right <laughs> we're muddling through together <laughs> so ZZ slash Yushi feels sad <laughs> that your highness can't experience the wedding every princess dreams of and she's patting you on the shoulder and the other one is covering her eyes she's crying it must be hard on you our beloved princess and you kind of looks unimpressed <laughs> guys it's not that big of a deal it's fine. Stop crying. It's only temporary. I'll be back. And then, why, why does she think, think she'll be back? Yeah. Why does she think it's temporary? Does she think? Does she think um, first princess is going to come back and take her place? Change her mind? Yeah. I. I, I honestly like, don't know why she thought she was coming back. Does she I, think I, the guy will reject her and be like, "No, I'll get away from here"? Yeah. <laughs> Ew. You're yeah. not, you're the fourth princess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we want a refund. <laughs> I want your sloppy seconds. Yeah, sloppy especially fourths. Like, right. In those days, I mean, these days, like, we're very mobile, so we travel back and forth. But in those days, like, if you went away to marry your husband, like, you stayed in his kingdom and you yeah. didn't come back. Like, exactly. I mean, you stayed on as a handmaiden, maybe, if you, if you weren't, yeah, seated mm. in, in royalty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that puzzled me too. I'm like, their reactions are spot on, you. <laughs> if anything, you're not uh, reacting appropriately. <laughs> Very optimistic, a little yeah. blindly so. <laughs> She's blind to herself. <laughs> and then it goes on, but more importantly, it's to avoid unnecessary attention out here in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And I really like that you get that full sense that they are far away from home like anything dangerous anything happens here you know and it's shows her sitting in the carriage she's wrapped in the cloak um a little bit more done up than the last few times we've seen her uh there's red uh looks like sheer curtains a red seat which to me screams royalty you know this is uh, a royal ride uh but she looks forlorn she doesn't obviously want to be here do this but she's obviously sought purpose this is something that she's going to do for her kingdom hmm. and then forget where i was passing it off is it i yeah i think i guess let's do through the attack because the okay, next part is a little attack. bit longer okay okay and then shows her looking out the window and then someone screaming no please no and then there's a giant blood splatter on the page and then her face, you know, she's immediately alert, caught to attention, looking out the window, Zizi, what's happening? And there's another blood splatter, and it zooms in on her face, her eyes are wide, worried, uh, she's sweating, what? And then uh, you see Zizi peeking in through the window, and she's crying out, bandits, we were ambushed and caught off guard, the royal soldiers have all been killed, your highness, we need to escape now. And and you uh it zooms in on her mouth you know what it to me it was she's gonna say something it's a big deal you know what she's about to say uh then what are you waiting for run as fast as you can save yourself this is an imperial order go 
And Zizi's crying turns away and says, yes, your highness, please forgive Zizi. And uh, let's see here. And Bandits are right outside the window. I, I can't climb out in time to escape. She, you can tell she's looking at the door, uh, kind of narrowing down ways she can get out of this. Weapon, I need a weapon and a horse. And then, uh, this is so creepy. I hate this part. <laughs> you see the door creak open and you see an eye and you he 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 and then it opens to the ugliest man and, and Lily does <laughs> comics so far to me <laughs> he beats Aniki <laughs> what a find what a find and it's clearly one of the bandits that um that has attacked her royal caravan and he uh she's being thrown somewhere we're not sure yet it says get in there and then she's screaming, turning around the corner, she screams, no. And then you see that she's in the back of what is their caravan. And she's you know, banging on the doors, trying to get out. How dare you let me out right this instant. And you see there's, you know, they're, hey, check out this loot. And they're, they're going through everything that she had with her. Uh, there's several men involved. So, you know, escape's probably not, it's not an option for her alone. Mm um and then she's it shows the front of the carriage now and the driver um he's sitting here listening he's got his hand behind his ear he's listening to her scream you killed my guards do you know who i am i will have your heads for this and he says um you're a delicacy that'll fetch me a terrific price up north that's what I'll just take this cloak of yours, keeps me nice and warm. As for our heads, I'm not sure who's going to do that for you now, princess. And it shows a soldier riding up out of the snow. Mm -hmm. I did want to- like, that's the guy who will do that for you. you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Foreshadowing. Um, I did want to mention though, um, scrolling back when um, Shishi, is um pointing out the and you was looking out the window you it zooms in on um you was hairpin and i wasn't sure if it was um a lotus or a sakura but um if it's a lotus um those can s signify enlightenment purity which we know she's um probably a virgin because back then that was very important um and rebirth um, but if it's a sakura it's Renewal, optimism, and it marks the end of winter and the start of spring. So it could be the conclusion to the comic. I don't know. Um, obviously, it's really pretty, but and um, if it's a lotus too, also they mention um, a lotus flower has its roots in mud, but when it opens, it's a beautiful flower. So maybe that's partly her history since she, we find out later, is adopted. Um, and this is like her moment to shine and be you know, a beautiful flower. Right. That's interesting. I like that. Hmm. And for me, like the fact that she told Shishi to run away first and before, you know, worrying about herself or asking Shishi to help mm -hmm. her or like open the door, she just told her run away. And that is like her, her selflessness and her care for mm -hmm. other human beings, which obviously is something that she's evincing by even, you know, going to be married. 
but mm-hmm. she's just compassionate and she she understands enough to tell her like this is an imperial order go right she understands that she she is someone who will you know is prone to stick by your side unless like you give her a direct order go get out of here this is i'm telling you this as a royal person so you know both caring and clever you know in a moment of crisis Mm -hmm. i wonder how many times she's actually said that in her life to somebody this is an imperial order you know has she had that authority before being the fourth princess so in this moment she uses it to the best that it can be literally to save somebody else's life it's just, yeah, what a time to have to say it too. And and just how she doesn't panic. Like she's like, I need a weapon. I need a horse. I need to get out of here. Like she's not, she's not a helpless girl. She's kind of got a warrior spirit. So it's one of her gifts. Cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we like damsels in distress, but we like damsels in distress who help themselves too. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> all righty so now we've got one of the bandits says huh lone soldier approaching (laughs) there's a fierce battle raging on in a nearby kingdom he's probably returning from that battlefield and so we see the soldier kind of coming out of the fog more we still haven't seen his face um what a fool heading straight towards 40 armed bandits (sighs) on then i'm guessing that's probably the leader of the bandits who has the cloak who's sitting there driving the carriage that you is in he says who cares look at that armor that thing must be worth thousands of gold pieces um and then another bandit says i'll bet strong armor is highly sought after i reckon more than women these days might fetch a higher price than that princess you got in there um And the leader says, well, why stop at one when we can have both? Kill him, but be careful and strike fast. I've never seen it before, but judging from how well made that armor is, he must at least be some sort of general or lieutenant. Mm. The bandit is not dumb. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -mm. He knows. (laughs) Just greedy. Yeah. 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 Yeah doesn't sense the real danger he could be in. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, justifiably so. One guy. Yeah. Yep. Hasn't he ever read a historical romance? Come on. Just have to take him out one hand behind his head. Yeah, he's supposed to use one finger. Blindfolded. <laughs> so now we see the soldier a little more clearly coming out of the mist. You know, there's we're starting to see a little more detail. Um that he has some some kind of like circlet on his head. Um, You know, you can see that the horse has some kind of metal armor on it. And the bandits are saying, hey, you soldier, stop right there. And now we see the soldier from behind as he's looking down at the bandits all kind of grumbling and shouting at him. And we can see that, you know, his armor is very detailed. Um, You know, the can see like the details on the rivets and the plates um, weather appropriate he, too it seems like it, has, it seems like it's fur lined for mm-hmm. and weather appropriate i kind of imagine him while the bandits are grumbling at him like he's thinking puny humans <laughs> <laughs> well and, and isn't also, it like oh, i'm sorry go ahead isn't it true that like a soldier in battle um on horseback is valued at like 10 soldiers on foot so 
it's like you're gonna attack this guy on a horse you're that's not it's not smart but okay sure yeah. try it do it see what happens <laughs> well, well, I like just take a moment sorry oh, to appreciate ahead. his hair I mean that is some amazing hair <sighs> black flowy watches game of thrones that was something that i was going to point out because in game of thrones there was a warrior who um well the tribe itself mm-hmm. a warrior who has not been vested in combat you know they grow their braid and when mm-hmm. they finally lose they're forced to cut their hair mm-hmm. to show their shame and i you know i don't know how true that is in history and you know culture's uh across the board but that's the first impression that I got seeing this panel for the first time was he's probably not been bested <laughs> he's he's probably also never like, lost that that ties into something because I know like um I have long hair and it's very <laughs> inconvenient like to wear it mm-hmm. loose because it gets right. stuck in things and like if you're battling like oh my god hell no I would never wear my hair <laughs> loose but maybe it's a sign of his strength that he's such a good warrior that he can succeed even with that <laughs> tremendously long inconveniently yeah. hair flip the hair back <laughs> when i just that confident and that that capable that the hair doesn't bother him mm-hmm. well i just think back to um tara and poppy's conversation at regina's peak right? when they're talking about you know they came with the crazy long hair and tara's just like yeah what is do queen hold it up for him while he goes to the bathroom <laughs> um Oh, I have a great story about that. So my husband <laughs> used to have, when he was a teenager, um, way before I knew him, he used to have like also butt length hair and wow. it was super, super long. And he has blonde hair naturally because he's Dutch and um, he dyed it black because he was a goth teenager. And it was like really, really long. It was um, like in a braid down to his, like to, down to his butt basically. And he said, when did he decide to cut it off? When he went to the bathroom and when he got up, the tip was wet. So- <laughs> Oh, like, yes. okay, time to cut it. That would be a motivating factor for <laughs> sure. <laughs> you have to wear it like a scarf when you were using the bathroom, just throw it over your shoulder like a continental right. soldier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, by the way, obsessed with long hair, and I've been begging my husband for all 11 years that we've been married to grow his hair. And now he's finally semi agreed. So it's like, like down to here, maybe. And I'm like, just trying very hard to like hope he doesn't notice that like as it gets longer and longer and longer (laughs) don't get don't get annoyed with it my husband won't he won't let his hair grow long I've tried over quarantine it was fabulous because he couldn't so his hair was long and curly wavy and and then he cut it (laughs) oh see I'm the opposite with my husband I'm like you have a mullet (laughs) like you don't look good with long hair (laughs) I was like, either commit to it and grow it out really long or like get a haircut. That's, that's how I feel too. Cause I, I think I mentioned last time, my husband has really long hair. He's also Dutch. Um, so it's like a white blonde naturally. And I'm like, you know, people pay a lot of money for that hair that you just grow naturally. Yep. Um, but it's, it's like down to here, like covering the chest. Um, and like you said, Elizabeth, um, he used to keep it really, really short. And I liked that. But then if you don't keep up with it, it starts looking scruffy and you're like, all right, either keep up with it or just let it grow. Don't do this weird, <laughs> awkward middle of the road thing. Not, not attractive. Mm-mm. But he's attractive no matter what to me. So, you know. <laughs> Well, and I was going to comment too with these panels. Um, I forget 
which episode it was of Tiger Props, but somebody was talking about how Lily Dust does a lot with like her panels always have movement in them, even if people are just standing. And so I like how with this, like, you know, you have the tree, you know, there's not really a whole lot of background. So really the only way that we're seeing movement is with, um, you know, the warrior's hair, the horse's tail. Um, so even as he's coming closer, you can see that his hair is kind of like blowing in the wind. Um, it was Peg that said that. Oh yeah. It sounds like something that Peg would say. Yeah. <laughs> she was talking about I think it was the episode where Poppy falls out of the tree and Tora mm -hmm. goes to catch her. And that was um one of the first times, like I, I think I mentioned last time how listening to Tiger Pops has helped me like think deep more more deeply about the comic. Um and mm -hmm. just look a little bit deeper. And that was one of the episodes where I was like, wow, I really never thought of that. And you see it, but you don't you don't um, like process it. And mm -hmm. then once you know to look for it, you, you notice it a lot more. Yeah, like subconsciously, I think I'm aware of certain things that have been talked about on the pad podcast, but didn't have words for how it made me feel or how I noticed it. And then people like Peg were like, oh, you know, this movement or Elizabeth saying, I think it was that last time you guys were all on um, where Lily Dust does things in threes. You yes, know? and you were absolutely right. There was a passionate kiss. It was number three. <laughs> oh my god! Yep, I got so. Well, I stole that. Oh, this is right. <laughs> I don't give me credit for it. I stole that from somebody like way, way back early on on Tiger oh, Pop. Okay. Somebody was talking about that. Was also that. Peg, by the way. That yeah. Peg. Okay. Pops, yeah. Pops to Peg. I just remember hearing Elizabeth say it on that one episode. But yeah, it does. It. I love the different perspectives. You have counselors. You have law enforcement officers. Mm -hmm. You know, come on and yeah, it makes you think about everything totally differently. Mm hmm. Yeah, I love I love these panels though, where we're like we're just the only movement we're seeing is his hair. Like mm -hmm. everything else almost feels just like almost like still paintings almost, except for like his hair blowing. Is that maybe why the episode is called Prelude to a Storm? Because mm. mm. the wind's starting to blow. Because Rulon <laughs> made his entrance and he's gonna <laughs> fuck shit up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> when I like how we get like we still have not seen his face mm -hmm. we can like we see his back in very high detail like mm -hmm. multiple panels and then we get a close-up um of his neck as he's turning so you see the peony neck tattoo mm. um you can see that there's like blood on his face um he has an earring um you can see his like collar and then he turns and you see his mouth and it's just kind of set in like this, you know, somber, serious expression as he's kind of scoping out the people in front of him and he just says, you're in my way. <laughs> totally mm -hmm. fearless. Like yeah. the fact that it took him so long to respond and like yeah. what you were describing the panels went him from the back. That just like leads up to intimidation and to mm -hmm. show how powerful he is and how secure he is in his strength. He has no fear of them. And the fact that he, he just kind of looks at all of them. He's probably counting how many there are. And then he's just like, you're in my way. Move. Mm -hmm. That's and a again, big, we... big dick energy for real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, again, we get another, another close-up shot of the neck tattoo and that's the end of the episode awesome so
also speaking of like cinematography like yeah the fact that she's just showing so many panels of him from the back like he doesn't even have to show his face like his just his very image is so threatening uh also he's not respecting them you know he's disrespecting them by not even like looking at them which again like big thick energy like you said and he's literally above them on a horse looking down at them yeah they have no idea they should be afraid (laughs) they have no idea (laughs) that like you said Haley, this is a you know a romance they don't know (laughs) you don't know me let me get to know you (laughs) yeah they'll know him for about five seconds as they perish on the ground (laughs) as they perish they perish from uh just being so attracted to him (laughs) (laughs) i'd like to thank my current patrons for their support Susie, polly lady livereth mary alley cat chelsea lily jenny Haley, one and only taco elizabeth and maria thank you so much i really really appreciate it